All right, you are listening to episode number 65 of the Water and Stone Church podcast. My name is Dita Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. And I am Jenny Randolph. Welcome back. (laughs) When we say welcome back, especially because there's a little bit of a hiatus in between episodes, because we have been retooling and coming up with a little bit different format for the podcast. And you'll see what we've changed along the way, and and we hope that you like it. We're so grateful to everybody that's written in with, with ideas and questions and comments and and our wonderful loyal fans, we're so glad that you're part of this family. And, and I just want to say thank you very much. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this. I know that you said, you know, we're going to talk about it and they'll <laughs> listen and it's a surprise and everything like that. But I'm really excited about sharing this version of the podcast and changing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done, this is our 65th episode. So well over a year. Yeah. So it's been over a year and I think that you're always, you know, trying to keep things fresh and trying to make things new. But I have to say that this is going to be, this podcast is going to be the only place that you can get the full audio of Dieter's Sunday worship services. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things to, because we really place a lot of emphasis on engaging, on showing up and being a part of it and all of that kind of thing. And I think that there's a lot of churches that, that do live streaming, for example, and that sort of thing. And I'm going to talk about that again in a minute, but I think sometimes for some people, it's a little too much of an excuse to stay home and not engage. And so we wanted to change around the way that we look at the videos of the services and things like that. And so from pretty soon, I'm not going to say from now on, from pretty soon on, uh, if you want to get the uh, the talk, the Sunday talk, and you can't be there with us on Sunday morning in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth, you, this is where you're going to get it. Right. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. You know, we're all about going out and doing good and we're all about do something. And so when you're at church on Sunday, you can help us to feed the hungry. You can help us to gather clothes. You can help us to do that. And, and you and get I fed in a different way absolutely. too. Absolutely. And people don't realize how much they will get fed yeah. and how much they will feel better by doing something. And so it's kind of like sort of tough love (laughs) where it's like, look, you know, we'll, we'll give it to you, but you're going to have to listen to it. But if you really want to be a part of our church and a part of our service, you're going to have to show up occasionally and, and do that and have that full experience. There is something amazing about it. And we always say, Why do people go to live music events? Mm -hmm. Why do people go to live sporting events? Why do people go to the movies? Go to blockbuster movies. We went and saw the Avengers in a crowd of people. Oh, absolutely. When, you know, when we could have waited and put it on the surround sound and the Blu ray player and wouldn't have to compete with that weird lady next to you eating the nachos and all of that. Oh, God bless her heart. I, I, (laughs) yeah, she was, she was, um, really enjoying the nachos and I was not enjoying her enjoying the nachos but that's a that's a whole nother thing but we do it anyway we go to the movies because there's something wonderful about remembering that we human beings are born in community 
we are tribal in a right. very real sense. And so it's a wonderful thing to have some kind of a virtual tribe and we celebrate that too. Oh, I think but, in this day and age, you have to have all kinds of connection. Yeah. I am all about, I, I am all about, you know, I mean, we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. You find us on YouTube, find us on Instagram, find us sure, on sure. Facebook. You know, we have a Twitter. There's a blog. There's, yes, a, there's we, a thing. There, you know, our yeah. website, you know where to find us. But, we're prob- you're probably sick of us at this point. However, those things can never take the place of real connection. When you look somebody in the eye, when you shake their hand and say good morning, when we're sharing a prayer together, when we're sharing a song together, when we're doing service together, that is priceless and it is you cannot get that any place else. So come be a part of the family in one way or another. Speaking of church though, oh my goodness. <laughs> Y'all, this was Oh, oh you're last, talking about last Sunday. Last yeah. well last weekend in general. Like last weekend it the weekend started out great. Friday night was awesome. We we were kind of chilling a little bit. Well because and- we had um I knew that our Sunday service, and we've talked about it here before. We talked about it a lot of places before, but every fifth Sunday, we do an Ask the Pastor Sunday. And what that means is, instead of me preparing a lesson ahead of time, we invite people to send in their questions, and I don't know what the questions are, but I do. Yes, I know. <laughs> and so, I spend the time that one would normally spend doing the lesson just answering your questions. And so, I have to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And as I said to folks in our men's group, they're both hard, you know, writing a talk versus being up there. They're They're just just a different kind of hard. Yeah. And so it's not really... It's like cardio versus strength training. Something. But (laughs) but yeah. But so what that meant in practice was that this last week, I didn't... Or the week before, I didn't have to write a talk. Right. So we had a little bit of extra time. We were chilling out. We were like, let's go see a matinee of Infinity War. And a and, bunch of people came out to join us on that Saturday. And it was and... just really cool. And we went home and we kind of had a chill afternoon. And it was just it was just really nice. You know, we, we were we were feeling it. We were like, yeah, tomorrow's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then uh, our daughter gets a call from her friends. They have a a, a busted pipe and they need to borrow our shop this is on sunday this is on sunday morning so she scoots out she's like it's okay i'm gonna drop it by them and then you know i'm gonna just go to church well it's a really good thing that she left early because she called us and was like i can't get to the church it is completely blocked off and what we didn't know is that the saint anthony's triathlon was going on nobody told us that our entire street for nine blocks so you can't get into the place yeah. that we hold church. Where we because well, you've if you don't go to the church, you you still know that we call it Harbor Hall. That's the name of the building, and it is quite literally on the harbor. So it's one, right on the water. One right. side of the building is water, and there's only one there's road, one only one way in or out. <laughs> and the triathlon wanted to go down that road, and lo and behold, they did. Now, we didn't know that they were going to be there. And usually, you know, Jenny and I have run a number of half marathons and other kinds of races, that sort of thing. Um, and they're always done by like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because so, they really they really start early. And I think this one had started. I, you know, when she called me, I was like, OK, let me check the time and let me check the route. Maybe we can find a way. It didn't even occur to us that and it would it be a d- thing. No. Well, and the people that we rent this space from didn't didn't let us know. But anyway, so... 
bribing or talking or trying to convince <laughs> three police officers later, we finally get to, to the building. M- m- you guys got there with your cars, but Miles and I parked like six or seven blocks away and we're carrying all the instruments. My makeup is melting off of my face. Well, so it what, was like we, we were that- singing we were singing the theme to Lawrence Arabia as we crossed these blocks. And <laughs> it was we ridiculous. Knew that, we knew that there were other people who, you know, some people just didn't come that day. Some people couldn't make it into the building because it was very complicated. And we, I would love for you to go back and look at our Facebook feed because I did my best to try to put out instructions on how to get there. And we've got that great flock note set up where people can get texts from the church. So I texted people. But at the end of the day, people had to have left early and fight traffic and figure out how to talk the kindly police officer into letting into them do letting them something and, they weren't and, supposed to do and, and wait you know. for the bikes to go by and everything else so it was really funny but we we had a good solid crew that sunday but we decided that okay we have to make this better and you know it's really interesting because when you're faced with a seeming disaster because it, it felt by the time we got there we were frazzled we were like oh my god what are we gonna do you know but you can take a moment and you can go, all right, truly lemons mm-hmm. into lemonade. Yeah. How can we make this better? And we found out that now we're going to do live stream. We decided to live stream for the people that couldn't make it. Yeah, but because we, had- we knew that so many people had written in and said, I can't be there. I can't do this. We're going to. So we decided that we were going to live stream that service on Facebook Live. And you can still get it, right? You can still. Oh, yeah. Watch you can the, still the go Sunday back. Lesson. Yeah, you can still go back and get it. And it was, just as you say, it was a lemons and a lemonade. And I have to say that I have been really against live streaming. There's a lot of churches that really bend over backwards to do that. And for a lot of reasons. Well, for the reasons that we just talked about. You know, I mean, I don't want to go into it too much. Yeah, but but there's also logistics things. It's costly for churches to do it. And I would rather spend those resources of time and money on other things that make the church better for the people who were there. Sure, sure so, so There's a million reasons. At the end of the day, I feel like it gives people an excuse not to show up. And so I want people to engage. And so I've never been into it. But I think it was really good for us because I, and I think we're going to continue to do it for every aspect every pastor, fifth every Sunday. fifth Sunday, because it gives people an opportunity to see what we do on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little look into what what you can expect when you show up to church. So yeah. I, I really love that. Yeah, I love it too. And so I, I went into it against it. But by that point, we had been, and you even on Sunday morning after Raina left to go deal with a plumbing problem, the printer wouldn't work at our house. Oh, and it there was, was a comedy of errors. Yeah, it was, it was silly. Down to our son couldn't find his shoes. I mean, it yeah. was like, <laughs> name a thing. And, you know, I recognize that part of that is is on me because I had been in prayer the day before saying, okay, God, I want slash need to find a different way to focus. Because normally when you write a talk, you focus on, okay, I got to get the skeleton of the lesson. I need, I, this is where I'm focusing. But because I don't know what I'm going to say, there's nothing, there's no foothold. Mm -hmm. And so I had been praying about, okay, God, I want to find focus here. And so God goes, here you go. Here's, here's what we're going to do. You're going to focus the the heck out of this. Wow. That's (laughs) wonderful. So now I know, um, 
uh, who to, uh, who to swear at yeah. later on. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm, if it happens again, I'm going to come right after you. Yeah, I, that's I, fine. I, I am. I'm I can gonna, take it. I can gonna... take it. But, you know, so it was it was really good. You know, we get those prayers answered. And I think everybody listening can come up with one or two examples of you ask for something and you realize, oh, wait a minute. I, that I, I didn't actually really got it. Yeah. what I asked for. I didn't really know it was going to go that way. But it turned out to be a beautiful Sunday morning. We had a smaller group of people there, but the people who were there had fought for it. And boy, that makes a difference. And everybody was engaged and it was so dynamic and so much fun. And the people, so many people are still watching the Facebook Live video and all of that. And so it was just really, really cool. It was a great opportunity. And I'm so grateful to everybody who participated and served and helped in all of the different ways that they did. Now we want to share with you Water and Stone Church worship service for May 6th, 2018. The title is The I Am. The unstoppable, timeless, awesome truth about you can change the world. So our scripture today is John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. This is one of those great parts of scripture where people ask Jesus a very straightforward question and he answered them in a way that must have freaked them out. Over and over again. Because over and over again, somebody comes to Jesus and says, who do you think you are? Papers, please. And over and over again, the answer that is given, the answer that we must give, is that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what the external data is. There is something internal and eternal that tells us who we are. Now, if you know my story, you know that I started college at an early age, and that's great and all of that kind of stuff, but it means when you're 13, college girls don't talk to you, so that's a separate issue. (laughs) But I went, my first term in college, I went to the testing center and had my Scantrons and my number two pencils and all that kind of stuff. And you have to have ID. Well, I didn't have a driver's license, but I had a passport. And I got to the place, and the lady took my ID and my stuff, and she said, this passport is expired. I was freaked out. I mean, I got more easy going with school stuff as time went on. This is my first real test. I didn't know what to do. Your passport is expired. And I said, yeah, but I'm still me. I didn't expire. It doesn't matter what the number says. I'm not trying to get into Liechtenstein here. I just want to take the test. And after a whole spectrum, I think I went through all seven stages of grief, she let me take the test. But the lesson I learned far more than whatever I learned in that class, I don't even remember what the class was. The lesson that I learned was who I am has very little to do with my paperwork. You know? It doesn't matter if the number expires. It doesn't matter where you've been. There's a piece of you that before your 23andMe Ancestry.com self, great, before any of that, there's a you that's deeper than that. And that's good news because I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for my family, not excited about family reunions. You know what I mean? Sorry, not sorry. It's one of those things. But there's a you that's deeper, and this is really important. So often, people come to me and they want some kind of a healing, some kind of a prosperity demonstration, reconciliation, revolution, some kind of something. 
Sometimes the first question feels like it should be, what is it that you want? But that's not the right first question. Sometimes it seems like the first question should be, well, what kind of God are you talking about? Because if you think God doesn't like you very much, you're going to have diminished miracles. We talked about that. But that's not the first question either. A lot of times the first question is, I don't say it this way, but here's the essence of it. Who do you think you are? I mean, think about it. That's the question. If you want to be healed, what's the you that you want healed? If you want to prosper, what's the you that you want to prosper? Because if your idea of you is vengeful, vindictive, selfish, drama stuff, whatever, you don't want that to be fueled. I don't want more of that version of me. So before I ask for my miracle, I need to get really clear on what's the me that I want more of. You know what I mean? What's the you that's important here? Let us no longer pray the prayer of validation. Oh, Lord, please help me keep being a jerk because it's fun. (laughs) Not good enough. And in fact, God don't work that way. That miracle is short-circuited. So the first question is, who do you think you are? I'll say that differently. You're not going to get a miracle any bigger than your idea of who you are. You're not going to get a miracle any bigger than your idea of who you are. If you think you're no good, you have left a very small opening for God to happen in your life. It's all about what you decide. If you decide that you're going to have a miserable time, you can have a miserable time at Disney. I've seen it. If you decide that you don't deserve love, you can be with a dreamboat. It don't matter. Because you have decided something. So before the miracle can happen, who do you think you are? This is the thing. And in fact, this is the question that the universe is asking you and me all the time, every conversation. Whoever you're talking to, maybe they don't know they're asking, but what they're really asking is, show me who you are. And when we yearn to talk to somebody, that feeling of disconnection can be dealt with when we realize all I got to do is show who I really am. And yeah, I know that's a journey because who you are is big, wonderful, beautiful, awesome, infinite in fact, before Abraham was. You're not going to get all of it out, but try. And things change. That is the universal quest. That's what we're looking for. And it's what we're looking for all through Scripture. It's what we're looking for all through our lives. You know that great story, Moses in the burning bush. It's a story we tell all the time because it's so foundational. It's one we tell so much that I'm going to go fast because there are certain parts of the story that we could bring out at different times. There's that great part where God says to Moses, take off your sandals for the place you stand is holy ground. And the symbolism is take away barriers between you and your divine experience. And also that church can happen anywhere. That's pretty cool. But that's not the lesson for right now. There's that part where the burning bush doesn't talk to Moses until after Moses says, this is important. Now think about that. Moses could have reached for the fire extinguisher, ran away, done all of those things. But he says, this is important. I'm going to check this out. And then God speaks. And the message for us is receptivity comes before your experience of the divine. Got to start by making space, but that's not the lesson for today. God says to Moses, I need you to go out and change the world. Go set some people free. In return, I'm going to do your hair. You've seen what Heston looks like after. It's awesome. (laughs) And part of the message there is 
receptivity. Because God doesn't happen to us. God happens through us. God needs Moses to go do a thing. That's an important lesson. So many people are waiting for God to show up. You've got to be the miracle. But that ain't the lesson for today either. The lesson for today is the part where Moses says, okay, I'll do this. Except, how am I going to get anybody to listen to me? I mean, what kind of credentials? Who should I say sent me? Do you have paperwork? There's the same question over and over again. People get hung up on the wrong stuff when they get scared. That's what happens. And I don't blame Moses. But here's this moment where God could have said a lot of things. Who do I say I am? Because Moses is saying, who do you call yourself? What's God's name for God, right? That's the, that's the dialogue. Who should I say sent me? Now, God could have said a lot of things. God could have said, remember that let there be light part? That's me. He could have said, you know that whole sunrise thing? That's me. He could have said, do you have any idea how complicated your circulatory system is? That's me. He could have said a lot of things. He didn't say any of those. God said, tell them, I am has sent me. God's word for God is, I am. Now, that's a big deal. It's so fast. It's just those three little letters in a space. It goes by so fast, it's easy to miss. But think about how big that is. We've got a lot of names for God, and all of them are great. We say, infinite Lord, wise and loving mother, father, God, all of these wonderful words. We say life itself, love itself. We say great spirit, if you want to say that, whatever. I don't think God cares about brand recognition. And all of those words are beautiful. And all of those words are true. But all of those words leave something out by necessity. You see, labels are important. Labels are really good because when I go to the grocery store, I need to know if it's vegetarian. I need to know if it's tested on animals. I need to know if there's any way I can justify crunch berries to my wife. (laughs) There's fiber. Yeah, the box is fiber. You might as well eat the box. Come on. Labels are important. They help in some ways. This thing that we do carries the label church because I want people to know. We could call it all kinds of things. We could call it a spiritual lollapalooza, right? And it's still kind of true, but it leaves something out. To me, this is a church. So we call it a church. The labels are important. But the labels also leave some things out of that little box that we make. I'll give you an example. If you decide that there's a person in your life who is your enemy, they are there to make things hard for you, and you don't want to go to that meeting with that guy from accounting or whatever, this person, you can cast people like your life is a movie. The part of the bad guy will be played by. You know, people do that. It's convenient to pigeonhole sometimes. I get it, but it's dysfunctional. Because if you label someone, that's all they will ever be to you. You don't give them permission to be anything else. So who do you think you are and who do you think they are? Because if we begin to tear down some of those walls, we get to a different place. And that's why I am is so important because I am doesn't leave anything out. The I am, in other words, God just is. And if you want a miracle in your life, if you want an experience of God in your life, get to that place where things just are. What do you just know? And we talk about that a lot. Find what just is. And I am is also really, really powerful because it takes it out of words on a page or I guess on a tablet 
I don't know if Moses was in Kindle or iPad. I don't know. Bible scholars disagree. But it takes it off of the written word and into the realm of experience. Because I am is not something you read. It's something you feel. That's where God happens. Find things that aren't what you can talk about as much as what you can feel, what you are. It takes it into the realm of experience. And that takes me to the other part of the I am thing. If God's name for God, we humans have a lot of names for God, but when the one time somebody asked God, God said, call me I am. If God's name for God is I am, you know where I'm going to go with this. What happens when I say I am sick, I am hurt, I am afraid, I am dysfunctional, I am no good, I am, you get the idea, I'm sick of saying all these things, I'm breaking commandments left and right. What happens? That's why there's a commandment about that. I mean, think about it. The commandment is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So when I say I am, blah, 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 insert garbage here. I'm saying God is sick, hurt, afraid, no good, dysfunctional, not suited for the job, not worthy of love, not, 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 not. When I say I am, I am doing a very hurtful thing. Not to God. Let's be clear. When I say God is sick, I'm not, God can't get sick. It's not, God doesn't do that. Some people are worried about hurting God's feelings, but that's a little weird too. Wouldn't be God. We're not talking about Zeus or something. I mean, if a little kid comes up to you and says, you're stinky or whatever, I mean, you know, you might pay attention to your hygiene differently, but at the end of the day, you're not going to get offended because it's a kid. Do you think God is offended when someone uses less than ideal terminology? Come on, it's not God to get bent out of shape. Doesn't work that way. So it's not about hurting God's feelings. The reason for the commandment is different. If I say God is sick, I'm not saying that I have the power to make God sick. I'm saying the God of my understanding, the best and the highest of what I will allow is sickness. And if I believe that, how can I ever get well? If I say, I am not worthy of love, I am defined by my problem. Well, I've defined God by my problem. Doesn't change God, but it changes my expectancy. And that changes my miracle. The commandment is, thou thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's a great word, vain. What does it mean? If you look it up in the dictionary, aside from the other spelling, which is anatomical, the word means two things always pop up when you look it up. The word vain means egotistical. You know, you're so vain, you probably think this commandment is about you. (laughs) Warren Beatty, right? Anyway, vain means selfish, self-centered, egotistical, superficial. But it also means something else. When you try to do something in vain, it doesn't work. It means non-functional, non-productive. Those are the two meanings of the word. So when I do something in vain, it means selfish and it doesn't work. So thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain means don't think of God in small egotistical terms because it don't work. That's what the commandment means. So quit it. I'm reading in a little bit. You know what I mean? So we come back to the question, what does work? Because God is working. God is working. Every moment of life is proof of this wonderful unfolding growth. It's amazing to think about this idea. You ready? The idea 
comes before the experience. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. The idea comes before the experience. And here's what I mean by that. Before there were human beings to write down mathematical formula, there were meteors going through the sky. There was grass growing. Science was happening. It's just that we start figuring out, oh, well, if I use numbers to figure that out, I can start to get a better understanding. But it was happening before there was somebody to write it down. And in fact, we have to write down more stuff, and we learn more stuff, and we invent things like calculus, not just to frustrate high school students, but also because we want a better understanding. But whether or not I'm there to write it down, it's happening. The idea happens before the experience. And if I happen to write 2 plus 2 equals 5, it doesn't change math, and it sure doesn't change God. It changes my ability to balance a checkbook, and hopefully I learn. But I learn. It doesn't change what's going on. Love was happening before you were in fifth grade and you had your first crush and you passed somebody a note. Love was happening before that. And that little moment is just one example of love. Hopefully, you've grown past that. Otherwise, I know some very good therapists. You grow. Love doesn't change. The idea happens before the experience. And if you want a better experience, get closer to the idea. If you want a better love life, for example, stop thinking about this little moment as all there is to love and start thinking about what is love itself? How do I get closer to the idea? What would love do in this situation instead of what would me and my ego stuff and my manipulation things and stuff I learned from Dr. Phil do in this situation? What would love do? How do I get closer to the big idea? In other words, who do you think you are? There's that great part where Jesus sees the guy who is blind. And the blind guy says, blind guy didn't see him. Uh, the blind guy says, sorry, I couldn't help it. Blind guy says, will you help me? And Jesus says, well, you know, this is what I do. But I love this part. I think there are so many parts in scripture that are funny, that people miss because Jesus. Poor guy. I mean, the crucifixion is enough, but nobody ever gets his jokes so Jesus says to the blind guy, yeah, I can help you. What is it that you want me to help? He's blind. He might as well have the tin cup and the sign. What do you want me to help? And, and to paraphrase the scripture, the people around kind of go, I thought this Jesus guy was sharp. So we ask ourselves, why would he say that? This is really important, really important. He says it because what he is really saying to the man is, who do you think you are? Are you defined by this blindness? Is this what you want fixed? Because if the you that is you isn't ready to be healed, doesn't see yourself as someone who sees, you're never going to get that healing. But more than that, to Jesus, he isn't blind. To Jesus, Lazarus isn't dead. To Jesus, people aren't sick. Ask yourself, what do you see when you see the people around you? What do you see when you see your life? Because if you see a bunch of sick, broken people, it's going to be hard to have any fun. <laughs> when you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, who do I think I am? If you see something broken, it's going to be real hard to get fixed. How would Jesus see you if he doesn't even see the blind man is blind? That becomes the question. What do you see? 
You're not just a matter of facts and figures. You're not just a matter of external data. Uh, the people around Jesus wanted to know what his papers were and what the genealogy was. And the genealogy lines up, you know, you've read the Gospels and this person begat this person begat this person. And it checks out. So what? You are a descendant of greatness, and you are a descendant of that one guy, that cousin who's really weird. (laughs) Whatever. Is that going to define you? Are you where you've been? Are you the problems that you have? Are you some pet theory? Some people's pet theory is that life is hard. Well, they don't ever grow past that until they change their minds. Don't get hung up on your theory. Try to find the idea behind it. Before Abraham was, I am. Because there is a part of you that is timeless. And it's that part of you that has been calling out. This is the externalization of every love story, every homecoming. There's this part of you that wants to come home. That wants to show the world. There's this part of you that wants to share and is calling out for you to share right now. That's what we're all looking for. Who are you? People say, well, I'm a doctor, lawyer, plumber, whatever. I think I just identified the village people. But anyway. (laughs) But is that who you are? Because you were you before you had the job. And if something happens to the job, you'll still be you. That ain't it. And other people say, I go to college. I go to this church. Well, you go a lot of places. You go to a restaurant. Little kids go potty. Is that who you are? I hope not. You're not what you go and do. There is a part of you that is calling, and it is that part of you that is calling out to be shared. And if you feel frustrated with your life, it may just be that there's a part of you you're not letting out. And if you're frustrated with somebody else, it may just be that there's a part of them you're not seeing. How would Jesus see them, and how would Jesus see you? We want to share our true self. I was listening to an interview with a guy who was a bouncer. And he worked security for a lot of the big concerts. He worked security for the Rolling Stones. And he worked security for Janis Joplin. And he's still doing it because he's a big guy. And that's a good job for a big guy, I guess. He likes it. He sees a lot of crazy stuff. And the interviewer said, what's the nuttiest thing, the craziest thing that you see? What's the craziest thing you ever saw? And I was listening. And I think the interviewer, too, we were both expecting some crazy story. Because anybody that's been in the room with Keith Richards has seen some things. The stones will cry out. (laughs) What do you want, you know? Who do you think you are? Anyway. But he didn't didn't tell some kind of crazy story like that. It wasn't wasn't that kind of a thing at all. Instead, he said, the craziest thing I ever saw was not so long ago, Paul McCartney's last tour. And there's Paul McCartney on stage doing the Paul McCartney thing. He's an icon, an incredible artist, a Beatle being Paul McCartney. And the first few rows of people, you've, you've been to a concert or seen one on TV, you know that before there's seats, there's this, this group of people standing. And he said that whole group of people, every one of them had their back to Paul McCartney. Why? Because they were all taking a picture and they wanted to be in the picture with Paul McCartney. He said, that's the weirdest thing I ever saw. Because you're turning your back on this moment of experience to take a picture of how your hair looked that day. Selfies, don't show yourself. They show the most ephemeral part of you. Hey, look, we've all had good hair days. I haven't had one in a while, but it happens. And I understand the urge to document it, but that ain't who you are. We want to share our self. That's not where it starts. That's not yourself. That's more self-ish. 
The truth about you is deeper. There is a part of you that does not, cannot, will not change. Where is it? Where is it? If you want to grow, find it. You can choose to be defined by the hardship and the problem. You can choose to be defined by the money you have or don't have. You can choose to be defined by the good hair day, the makeup, the whatever it is. And all of that is fun, but it's not the whole truth. You know, we call this church water and stone. We talked about that a little bit last week. And part of the idea is that there is a timeless truth that doesn't change. The stone, as it were. And there's facts that change all the time. The running water of your life. And the trick to all of it is seeing all of it as good, but also in knowing what it is. Because a lot of times, the problem that people have, are you ready? This is important. A lot of times, the problem that people have is mistaking one for the other. Trying to treat something that is going away as permanent. And trying to treat something that is permanent as meaningless. If you're having trouble in your life, ask where the water is and where the rocks are. And you might be surprised at the results. There is a part of you that is not defined by your problem. There is a part of you that is not defined by your hardship. There is a part of you that is not defined by a good hair day. There is a part of you that is beyond that. And that part of you has been calling through your whole life. Through every triumph, the truth about you is the part of you that says yes. And through every heartache, there's, the truth about you is the part of you that hurts with it. You want to find the truth about you to share when you cry out because life is so weird. When you're moved to tears because something's so beautiful. When you laugh out loud, what is the part of you that is laughing? What is the part of you that is crying? What is the part of you that is crying out? What is the part of you that celebrates? That's you. Everything else can go. That's you. Find those moments and share them with somebody else. And I promise everything else will work. Everything else will work. Don't be afraid. Because that part of you, that timeless, true rock part of you, does rock, will change everything. All you got to do is find a little piece of it and set it free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. So I have a question for you. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah, I, I have to say that, that doing that talk, coming from that place, sometimes it's a little bit tricky. I mean, I don't want people to come to our church with the baggage that they may have picked up from another church about being accused of something, being made to feel no good and all that. So it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But I think that that concept of that sense of identity that you have, whether you were given it by the tribe that you grew up with, expectations of other people, something you put on yourself, and usually a complicated Venn diagram of identity sources. Wherever you get it, your sense of you is going to determine everything. Everything. It's important to know how big your God is. For example, if you pray to a small God, you get small results and all that. But that's not the first question. That's what I really wanted to bring out during the talk today. Because I think that too often it's easy to get caught up in, I want the old version of me not just validated, but solidified. I don't want to change 
this idea of me. And the truth is there's a bigger idea that God has. Right. And I think it's it's this idea that I want to remain the same, mm-hmm. but I want everyone else around me to change to my will and to my whim. And it really doesn't happen that way. You have to redefine yourself. You have to educate yourself. You know, a lot of times we talk about beginner's mind and yeah. we talk about the idea of being open to, to learning something. And I don't care if you've been doing a certain subject for 20 years. It, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. You still have to come back and say, there is still something that I can learn and a place is where I can grow. And it really absolutely defines yourself. It, you come at it from a lot of different places. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of times people don't realize, they focus on the outcome or what has happened, right, in their lives. So if there's something that's going on that's that that feels bad or something that's going on that, that you know, is really horrible right now, really sucks right now, they go, okay, you know, what did I, what did I do? And I think that's such a mistake sometimes because it's, okay, it's not about what you did. Obviously, this is what is manifested and, mm-hmm. and it's a tool to learn how to do it. But I think it's so much more useful to say, who am I and where am I going from here? Well, it's so easy to get caught up in a pet theory. You know, somebody gets a specific idea about how the world works. And the the idea, there's one of the things I really wanted to talk about in the talk is the idea is bigger than your individual experience of it. And it's about broadening your horizons and getting in touch with a bigger version of you, but a bigger version of the universe in general too. Racism is a dumb pet theory about how the world works. Right. And if you're closed off to everything else, then what you see will help solidify your dumb theory. Right. A lot of things are pet theories. It's somebody's pet theory that they're supposed to be tragic all the time. And if you decide that, you're going to experience that all your life. So one of the things that I really wanted people to hear is that you're bigger. The you of you is bigger than where you are right now and choose to see things differently. One of the things that I love is is that we started our journey in a very real way working with teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I learned very early on, and I know you did too, Jen, that, that if you expect them to be rotten, to disrespect you, to do the things that people are afraid teenagers do, they will absolutely live up to that expectation. But I don't know if we just backed into it or maybe we were open enough. I don't know. Probably a combination of a lot of things. But most importantly, God gave us some amazing teenagers to be around. Mm -hmm. And so we were blessed with an expectancy that these kids would be amazing and they were. I think that so often the label that you give another person, the label that you give yourself will tell you everything about how things are going to work. And so just like using the phrase, the I am, instead of something specific, like creator, like Abba, like Jesus used, like all of those words, the I am is completely open. It takes it into the realm of experience, which is where we want to be too. Right. And I think you can take it even further out from that and, and really question, why do you need to label people at all? You know, because, and I think it's a human, you know, it's that, it's that primal mind of, I need to fit things in boxes. Well, the and ego, I need to, the intellect wants right, to Right, I need hole. to organize and I need to do that and everything else. And, and that's fine when you're talking about items in your kitchen and mm-hmm. silverware and, you know, folding your clothes properly in a closet. That's fine. But you can't do it with people. You can't put people 
in, you know, an organized scenario in your life because they are always changing. And if you close off to the idea that somebody is unable to grow, you've labeled them something forever, you know, that's not, that's not really fair. And they're, they don't have the experience to show you what they're made of. And you are not growing as a result of, of seeing them do that and seeing them overcome. Right. So I think it's, I think labels on people is, can only lead to well, disappointment. Yeah, because I was gonna say, I was gonna say, not a bad place per se, but a disappointing place. Well, because something, it's, something it has not brought to the highest potential. Well, because the thing is, your logical, rational mind wants to label and pigeonhole. And that's actually a really vital thing. We need to know, is this plant safe to eat, for Mm -hmm. example? Your logical, rational mind wants to do that. And that's awesome. But that's just a part of you. Your legs want to run, so to speak. But you don't do that all the time. You know what I mean? There's a time and a place for it. Because the truth about us is on a much more intimate, profound, powerful level People are sometimes afraid of that awesome part of themselves where the barriers come down and art and love and truth live, you know, that's where God lives. And for whatever reason, sometimes people are afraid of that. And so they decide the truest truth to them is that logical, rational mind. And honestly, that doesn't make any more sense than deciding the truest truth about me is running around all the time. It's just a part of you. It's a beautiful part, but it's not the whole thing. So if we use that labeling part of ourselves to pigeonhole other people, it's tough to grow. At least it's tough to grow the easy way. We end up growing the hard way, but sooner or later we are confronted with things that are too big to fit in any cubby hole. That's where God lives. That's where love lives. That's where honor lives. And I so love that idea. And I'm thinking about how to let people know the practical application of this. And one of the things that came up for me today was simply replacing the I am with the I feel. When you're talking about something When you're talking about something that you're experiencing. So if you want to take away from this, from your message today, is you don't take God's name in vain. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about that. But in order to change that, we have to change the language and the intention of our language. And I think that a really simple way is instead of saying things like, I am tired, I'm, I'm mad, I'm, you know, not Mm -hmm. worthy. I mean, I don't know that anybody really goes around going, I'm not worthy, at least not out loud. Just on Wayne's world. (laughs) But I do think that it's a, there's a version of that that probably plays through your head. So it sounds funny saying it out loud, but if you can just replace that, the first step with, instead of I am, say I feel, Mm -hmm. and it, I, I guarantee you, it will get you to a place, um, of that, not having that be a habit. I'm glad you said that because it, I didn't get a chance to go there in the talk because I was going a different direction. But if I say God doesn't get sick or hurt or afraid and the I am, that's the God part of you, some people could go, oh, then I guess I'm not ever allowed to be sick, let's say, or ever right. allowed to feel yucky. And, and then you that's feel not, bad about yourself if yeah. you do get sick and then that guilt and there's and a we whole have, spiral. We have and people in, in our world, everybody knows somebody that if you say something negative, they'll jump on you and fix your language right. and it's so off-putting and it's so the opposite it makes you of, want yeah. to slap them well, it, i mean let's be honest they come it, or, from or, a, yeah yeah they come from a healthy healing place but right. it's not healthy or healing so i want you to know that 
stuff happens. You're allowed to experience downtimes. You're allowed to feel sick, hurt, afraid, dysfunctional, unworthy, blah, blah, blah. You're allowed to feel all of it. It's totally valid. You're going through this experience, but by all means, go through it instead of trying to fight it. So just as you said, Jen, it's really important to know that you're allowed to feel sick, hurt, Mm -hmm. afraid, but don't say I am sick, hurt, afraid. Say I feel. Because what you're saying to yourself is this isn't the truest truth about me. The me that is really me is bigger than this. But here's where I'm at right now. I'm not always going to be there. And you give yourself permission once again to go through it. And that is the key to so much. And so now this is the part of our show where we check it out. And as you know, check it out is when we talk about all of the places that you can come find us and join in what we're doing. It's when we run down our calendar. Now, I want to let you know that there are so many things going on around here that we just don't have time to talk about in the podcast. So as always, the best thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com and check out the calendar, check out, there's a lot of stuff at the website that you need to know about. There are blog posts that are helping people. You can find audio of past episodes of the podcast, a million things. Come find us at waterandstonechurch.com to get details and maps and everything else on all of these and many more events. I do want to hit a couple of the high points, though, of things that we do on a regular basis that you really should try to attend if you can. The first thing is our Wednesday morning sunrise walks. We meet at North Shore Park at 7.20 a.m. every Wednesday morning. We do about, oh, three miles or so. It takes about an hour. We stop in the middle. It's no big deal. Yeah, we get some coffee. And it's such a beautiful way. We watch the sunrise. We saw a manatee. We walk by the water. (laughs) It really is. If you haven't come yet, really try to make it out there. The fellowship is amazing. The conversations that we have is is so good. And also, it's just sort of in the middle of the week when you need a refresher. Yeah, it really is. It's a good recharge, you know. Why you're doing the things that you're doing. So it's a really nice nice time to spend together. And by the way, that and the thing that happens on Sunday nights that we'll talk about in a minute, those are great sort of opportunities to get to know us. You know, we don't have a prepared lesson or a prayer that anybody says or anything like that. We're just there together. And if you're wanting to bring a friend to Water and Stone stuff, but it feels weird to bring them to church because, you know, a lot of people have been burned by church. I get it. So these are great opportunities. The Wednesday morning sunrise uh, walk at 720. By the way, please uh, check out the website for maps and directions, but also please let us know if you're coming because the park that we meet is a huge place and we don't want to miss you. Well, and parking was weird last week too. They're they're repairing the roads. So it's like sometimes, sometimes, you know, if we know you're coming, we'll absolutely look for you and it makes it easier on us so we don't leave anybody behind. Well, as they say, parking is such sweet sorrow. Oh, that was bad. I'm a dad. The other thing that I want you to know about is our Sunday night sunset celebrations that's the other thing yes absolutely and (laughs) we gather about a half hour 40 minutes before sunset we've been we've been gathering around 7 30 or so um, because sun is setting now at eight o'clock as you're you know you who knows when you're listening to this podcast but um ask your phone you say ask your siri what time is the sunset today and siri will hook you up exactly and those again are just a really lovely way to put one week to bed and begin another one, give thanks for another sunset, 
and get ready to welcome the sunrise of your morning, Monday morning. And, and then we go get really some nice coffee time. or we get some ice cream yeah. or a taco or something. It's wonderful to get to be part of that tribe. Absolutely. And also things that I'm excited about, and this is fairly new. We have now a men's circle group and a women's circle mm-hmm. group. Yeah, and awesome stuff. Yeah, exactly. The men are meeting on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. The women are meeting at on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. And if you're wanting to attend and you're wanting to come join, just email us at info at waterandstonechurch.com. You can also get a phone number off of our Facebook page. Or you can just go in and and look at everything so that you know the location. Because sometimes the location changes. Yeah, because we meet at people's houses and it's different from time to time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I want to say that those groups, I mean, I can't speak to the women's group because I haven't been to one. But the men's group's been meeting for a little while now. And uh, we didn't publicize it because we wanted to make sure it was what we wanted it to be and give it a couple of times. So we started with a very, very small group and now it's growing and now more people know about it. And it's just so beautiful to have some prayer support, have a forum where we can talk through personal issues in a confidential environment, but also talk about how does this God stuff work in the context of real life and solve real problems. It's such a beautiful forum for for sharing and camaraderie and family. I'm so grateful to be a part of it, and I know that it will help everybody who's listening. I want to let you know about our YouTube channel. Please go and subscribe. You are missing some amazing stuff if you're not subscribed. And, you know, you have to subscribe, and then you have to hit the notification bell on the actual videos that you're watching. We have a tremendous amount of brilliant brilliant things there Dieter has a series going on right now called the helper you can always go and watch this day which is the cooking show the vegetarian cooking show that I do um it's it's amazing we now are booking a couple more guests so it's not just going to be my phase it's going to be my (laughs) phase plus a couple of other people and it's just moving in such a fantastic direction go check out our YouTube channel it's amazing and you can do that by finding Water and Stone Church on YouTube or you can go to the website waterandstonechurch.com and scroll down to the bottom of any page and there's links to all of our social media accounts Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and of course YouTube click on those and be a part of that tribe as well Friday, May 11th from 3 to 8, we are going to be down in Fort DeSoto Park doing a beach cleanup and a church family cookout. Please, if you're listening to this during this week, come and join us. It's not going to cost anything. We're going to have plenty of food and plenty of trash to pick up along the beach. We could really use your hands. This is an opportunity for you to be God with hands and feet. You know, pick up some straws, pick up some plastic, um... All kinds of stuff that we found. So we welcome you. Come on down and and give us a visit. Yeah, and there's there's a map on our website, but you can also Google for Fort DeSoto Park in St. Pete. Um, we have shelter number nine reserved. We're going to be there from three to eight, but if you can't be there right at three, that's okay. A lot of people are working that day because it's a Friday. Be there when you can be there and come celebrate with us. And as always, we would love to see you on Sunday morning. If you enjoyed Dieter's talk um, in this podcast, we really encourage you to come and visit us in person. You will get so much more out of it. We really look forward to seeing you. And I guarantee you, you will walk away a stronger person uh, and you'll be richer for it because you will have given something outside of yourself. So it's really important to us Of course, we want to see you, but 
it really is a growth opportunity for you. Come experience this beautiful church family. You won't regret it. The best way to stay in touch with everything that we're doing to stay in the loop is by texting I am ready, all one word, I-A-M-R-E-A-D-Y. Text I am ready to 84576. Text I am ready to 84576 and you'll be in the loop. We send out one, maybe two texts or emails a week. You can set up just with email if you want as well. And it's things like our newsletter or like the Sunday when nobody could get to the church because of the roads. I was able to text people. Right. That was really important. Yeah, man, it was huge. Stuff like that. So it's a great way to to just be in the loop. So please text I am ready to 84576 to get all of the information that you need to be a part of this family. This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the comfy orange couch. And the Grand Poobah of Pinfeather, the person who edits these podcasts and is half of the music that you hear, is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. The other half, an amazing part of our Sunday morning band, is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. This podcast is solely supported by you. And you know what that means. There's a lot of ways to support what we're doing here at Water and Sown. There's a lot of ways to, to keep the lights on. There's a there's a part of our website. There's a page that says donate. It talks about our Amazon Smile account. It talks about ways you can donate online. It talks about a lot of things like that. And that's beautiful. And we want you to check that out. But honestly, right here and right now, the best thing you can do to help support us is share what we're doing. Send somebody a link to this podcast or when you see one of our blog posts on Facebook, like it and share it. Tell somebody else about the amazing things going on on the YouTube channel. Subscribe and once again, share. Another thing you can do is wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever, write us a five-star review because that lets the powers that be know that this podcast is worth promoting to an even larger audience and that's huge for us. And finally, the most important thing you can do is show up. Be there for uh, for one of our sunrise walks or one of our sunset celebrations. Be there when we're doing all of these things that we're doing. Be there for a service project. And most of all, be there on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock at the beautiful Harbor Hall. Our services are life-changing and empowering and so much fun. It's going to change everything for you. I just know it. See you on Sunday at 11.